Separation Podcast. A source for motivation, inspiration, and information for entrepreneurially minded black students and graduates. I took control of my destiny and my legacy, and I'm going to be blessed. Today is about the power of you. You will change the world. I love what I do. When you love what you do, you want to be the best at it. Degrees of Separation Podcast, hosted by Dr. Z. Welcome to the Degrees of Separation Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Z. And the purpose of the DOS podcast is to provide information, motivation, and inspiration for entrepreneurially-minded Black college graduates and students. Degrees of separation is to raise awareness about the significantly high numbers of unemployment and underemployment that Black degree holders face, which is typically 50% higher than the national average. And we focus on finding career solutions through entrepreneurship development. And today's guest is Roy Maynard. He is the vice president and principal at Evan James and Associates, a full service commercial real estate company based out of Orlando, Florida. And he's here to discuss with us how he got his start in real estate as a junior in college at the Florida A&M University. Shout out to the Rattlers. I myself am a Rattler and how he has since developed his 14 year real estate career and also to provide us with advice on how real estate can be used as a viable career, regardless of one's educational background. Uh, So let's welcome Roy Maynard. Greetings, Roy. Thank you for coming to share with us today. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me on your show. And uh, I look forward to uh, the inquiries that you have for me. Definitely. So can you just give us a brief background to tell us how you got yourself started in real estate? Sure. Personally, I was introduced to real estate via my father, owned two houses while I was adolescent, and then also different uh, men and women in my community. How I got around it was through osmosis entrepreneurs. He is 30-year business owner of the insurance company. He also owns a trucking company and two sports bars, along with other entrepreneurs that I was exposed to by simply being around him. And those were his uh friends. And the consensus uh, wealth building tool that they all shared was real estate. Uh, No matter what uh, secondary and third line businesses they got into, all of them had real estate as their primary vehicle. And so while I was in college at uh, FAMU, I had an opportunity to work underneath a, a luxury home builder. It was a friend of mine who went out and got his general contractor's license, which is unheard of, uh, of a 22-year-old doing so. Right. And he basically opened up in this new uh, luxurious neighborhood in Tallahassee, and he got started as a GC. I got the bright idea to get my mortgage broker license. He would need uh, a lender to approve his uh, buyers for his homes. And uh, that was me stepping in you know, both feet forward into real estate. So I got from the sideline of seeing uh, my father and others in the community doing it. And then I got fully involved myself as a junior at FAMU. Go Rattlers. Right. (laughs) So you started as a junior in college because you've had the experience through having your family being involved in real estate. And then you had a friend who himself got involved and you all collaborated in that way. And so since being in real estate, 
how has it helped to evolve in your career? Was that your original field of, you know, that you wanted to get into? Did you study, you know, business in school? What was your background and what caused you to kind of continue your career for, what you say, 14 years since? Sure. So pivoting from being a mortgage broker while in college, my idea, again, thinking from talking to different people who I was uh, privy to, whether it be politicians, planners, et cetera, for the city, I thought it would be a good idea for me to get my master's in urban and regional planning. Now, why would that be? Because if I know 10, 15 years ahead of time of where the land is going to be, that is going to be uh, purchased, whether it be by uh, the state or private entities, I can warn us Black people about those potential land buyings, and we could focus on the trajectory Mm -hmm. of those purchases and get in ahead of time before the prices raise one builders just in general head that way. So that was my initial plan for my degree in public administration headed towards a master's in urban and regional planning. Now, I did not stay on that path. So post-graduation, I continued as a mortgage broker. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started getting involved in building what you call spec homes, which is basically you build a house from scratch, from ground up, and you flip it, if you will, to another buyer. And so I got involved with that, with that same builder who gave me my start in real estate. And then I progressed into commercial real estate as that is a bigger bone, if you will. Okay. And I decided that that's something that I want to pivot to because during the last downturn, being a mortgage broker for residential agents wasn't as lucrative and commercial real estate and residential real estate moves on two different wheels. They're not intertwined. Okay. Can you explain a little bit about that? Sure. So commercial real estate as a whole operates on businesses, okay, being involved. So whether it's a a private company or a, you own the building that a Let's say the local tax collector leases a building from you, the owner, or it's a Planet Fitness or a Smoothie King or whatnot, leases the building from you, it's revenue generating. House is not revenue generating to its owner. It's only fictional money through appreciation, which is subjective to the market. With commercial real estate, whether it's a single tenant or a multi-tenant inside that building, It has a opportunity to generate income that has nothing to do with the residential market because businesses have to function. Doctors Mm -hmm. have to have their offices. Psychologists have to have their offices. Government entities need their offices. I figured that in in my mindset, uh, not only is it a bigger payday being involved in uh, commercial real estate, but it also lends to a more of a necessity than residential. It's not as of necessity to be in residential. Well, what would you say about those who look to get into residential real estate to purchase homes or complexes to then rent out? Do you think that that wouldn't give the return? Yes. Virtual would give a bigger return, but do you think that's still a viable means of real estate to get into residential to then use it as an investment property? 
Absolutely. I am not against residential investing at all. I just understand the pros and cons and the different risk levels between okay. the two, residential and commercial. Okay. With residential, you can still, right now, at least here in the state of Florida, you can purchase a triplex right now for as little as maybe $350,000. Now, that may sound like a lot, but there are programs where you can purchase it right now using FHA lending okay. mm -hmm. and have the same down payment as you would as a regular single family home. Now, where mm -hmm. I'm going with this is if you were to purchase that same triplex and you're, let's say, a single person or you have a small family, you know, mm -hmm. a husband, wife, and maybe a baby, if a two bedroom, one bathroom apartment is sufficient for you now, then why not have a triplex and live in one unit? Mm -hmm rent out the other two units, one of those units will pay your mortgage because that's just how high rents are here in Orlando Metro. Now you'll have to adjust that per your area and do mm -hmm. your math. And right. then the third unit goes to your pocket. Mm -hmm. And then that same program is only asking you to live in that unit for maybe up to two years. After okay. that, then if you need to pivot to a single family home and rent out all three units, you can do that. Now mm -hmm. I say this and then I digress. My father did that in the eighties. Okay. okay. He purchased a single family home and he rented three of his rooms to his roommates. Mm -hmm. They were paying the mortgage and then some. Right. And right. he paid off his house in a little bit over a decade. This was in the 80s and he was in his mid-20s at the time. Right, right. Okay. But he's always been a thinker like that. And right. I know for a fact that he didn't get that idea from someone that doesn't look like him. Right. So res residential investing mm -hmm. is great. Just pay mm -hmm. attention. Right. But uh, if it were me, I would do the, the route that I just described. There's no need for a whole big house to yourself and whatnot. Right. So you're essentially saying that this is something maybe someone with not a lot of money can still be an investor in real estate. Because I know a lot of times people think, well, I don't have the money or or whatnot. What do you think that someone who is thinking that they don't have the funds can do? What are some options? I know you mentioned in Florida, the FHA, but what are some other options that individuals can utilize in order to invest in real estate if they don't have a substantial amount of money? Sure. There's a number of ways that you can get involved in real estate. Again, let's briefly use that same example of FHA. Depending on the area in where you live, that three and a half percent down literally can be anywhere from four grand to maybe $20,000. Some will say, I don't have $20,000. Pool it. Pool the money. People have been pooling money for since the beginning of time. Go fund me in other uh, platforms like that is not a new concept. It's mm -hmm. just on the computer now. But one of the other ways that you can get involved in real estate without having your own money per se is what they call assigning a contract. Okay? okay. So if you were to go to your local property appraiser, figure out which demographic of homes that you want to target, make a spreadsheet for yourself, get the phone numbers of those owners and addresses and send them mail asking to purchase their home or and or give them a call. Now, you could drill down on foreclosures. You could drill down on people who have a lot of equity in their home. 
there's different ways that you can uh, set up that query to get that. Then what you do is you approach the homeowner. Hey, I want to buy your home. Okay. And then you come up with a, a particular amount. Okay. You probably want to get the best price possible. You do not want to pay market. You do not want to pay market. Okay. Then take that same house that you have underneath a temporary contract. You want to ask for as much time as possible. Let's give yourself 60 days. Mm-hmm. They don't know that you aren't going to buy the house. Maybe you want to share that information. Maybe you don't. That's up to you and your business model. Then you take that same house to an investor who does have the money to execute on the home and purchase it cash or whether they u- utilize lending. And you say, hey, I have this house that is worth $100,000. I was able to get them to give me a 60-day contract for 80000 on the house. You tell the investor, give me $5,000 and then I'll sign the contract over to you. Now, you just sold them the house for $85,000. That leaves them fifteen dollars uh, in appreciation difference. They do not have to do any work on the home whatsoever. Then you have a deal right there. The more work you have to do, the lower that number has to be that you originally got from the owner. Okay. So, you, you, you know, the way you explained it sounds easier said than done. Is it really that easy? I mean, or is it something that someone would have to work at for a few times before they can really get into it and, and do this? Is it something that is really simple to start with in real estate? I would say once you get going, yes, the steps are easy, but that's like anything else. Right. That's like a walking. Right. I would highly suggest that you partner with or ask someone who is in the business to be a mentor and have them walk you through the ropes. Now, there are going to be people that ask for 15, I've heard even $20,000 to be your mentor. Wow. Okay. Okay. Some ask for it up front, some ask for it in payments, but as a negotiator, if you plan on being in business, you should be skilled at negotiating. I would negotiate something that looks like this. Hi, I'm new to investing in real estate. I do not have any money, although I'm ready to work and be Mm -hmm. diligent and Mm -hmm. do the things that you tell me to do to be successful. How I can pay you is show me what I need to do. I will go out and get the best margin for you in the criteria that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. And as each house has, let's say, $30,000 in equity, I can pay you five grand per house out of that equity that I find. Mm-hmm. And if the finder's fee is 10 grand after two houses, then we are now partners and I'll take actual cash five grand per deal going forward. Okay. So what are some things or some advice you would give a student that would say, maybe I could use real estate as a means to have a viable in, uh, career or as a stepping stone for a career down the line in this field? Sure. Black students can follow the same approach I did. They can get a real estate related license while as a student and get around older adults who are seasoned in the field. And again, going back to that, ask to be mentored. You'll be surprised who will mentor you. There are a number of ways to get involved in real estate. It's just not how I have my license and I sell a house. I saw a young lady who came in with us uh, the year we came in to a FAMU who worked in the leasing office at an apartment complex. 
that I worked at. Okay. Mm -hmm. That gave her her start into property management and leasing. Leasing agents can make great money, whether it be through multifamily channels or if they are on the commercial end leasing to businesses. Look at the different types and routes, if you will, of real estate and figure out which one can you do now that has the least barrier of entry. I just gave you one, which is if you need a job in college, go to as many apartment complex offices and ask, can you work in the front office? Also, college towns, those rental houses have property management companies. Go to the property management company and say, I would like to learn the business. Can someone here show me? There's also the route of working as simply in student housing at your college. You can understand rent roles, okay? You can understand operational side of uh, real estate uh, right there at your school. Now, obviously, uh, it would be up to whoever has the willpower and the drive to actually go and inquire about those routes that I just mentioned. So you probably would have a high chance of getting in, if you will, because the average student isn't even thinking about those routes. Again, the average person thinks you just get your real estate license and then you sell houses, right. not knowing that there's literally 20 plus paths that involve real estate. Wow. You know, what would you give students or graduates any advice outside of just getting into the field of real estate? Maybe they're not interested in real estate, but they want to supplement or to develop a career or something. They're noticing that their degree is not getting them there. Is there any advice that you would give students as well as graduates that are facing these challenges or may experience the challenge in the future? Yes, uh, I would say regarding real estate, if somewhat of real estate, if you will. If you're currently working, let's talk post-grads for now, those who are working. If you have a company that happens to have a 401k or IRA set up for you, you can use your 401k and IRA to purchase real estate if you yourself do not have the cash, okay? And it's intricate, you'll need to look it up, but you can basically purchase a house using your 401k and your 401k is the entity that owns the house, not you yourself. So it does act as a, uh, a tax haven and mm -hmm. you put yourself down. Again, you need an, a real estate attorney to help you structure it, but okay. you put yourself down as a beneficiary mm -hmm. entity, which is your 401k. Now, for those who are not working or underemployed who still would like to get involved in real estate. The examples that I, I shared earlier, you can still do that even if you're not a student. Okay. So it's student and not a student. Those are the least barrier, least barriers of entry, the, the routes that I shared earlier. Mm -hmm. My advice overall for male and female, of course, is to find, I may be a little bit more, uh, <laughs> A little bit more uh, drastic, if you will, in my approach towards income streams. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't feel right if I don't if I'm not making money at least three or four ways. But that's me. <laughs> so I would highly suggest at this time for the brothers to get involved in the trades. Okay. okay. The baby boomers are going to leave an extreme hole in the trades, white and black. Mm -hmm. Okay. And Hispanics are filling up those holes. Those right. should be 
you filling those seats. So, brothers, if you're still young, even if you're into your 30s, there are trades that are less strenuous on you if you're in your 30s and 40s. But look into electricians, you know, plumbers, HVAC, planning. All of those are available to you and they're less than a year mm -hmm. and they're not expensive. OK, right. also take a look at your local. I know here in Florida, we call it career source one stop. Mm -hmm. OK, mm -hmm. you can go there, say, hey, I'm John. I am unemployed and I want a trade. They will have you in somebody's school learning mm -hmm. within two to three weeks. If you're mm -hmm. serious. Right. And come out on the other end in two months as a truck driver with a CDL or a class A license with five to six job offers immediately. If there's a, a more hands-on trade outside of that, four to six months, you mm -hmm. will be an HVAC person. Here in Orlando, because of the economy and real estate is uh, very aggressive right now, you'll be starting out at 45000 working underneath someone. You go to their company, work there for two, three years while saving up for your own truck, and then you get out there and now you own your own business. Right. I'm glad you mentioned Trey. Really, I was a student in high school. I think it was my senior year. And I we had a you know a group of friends. All of us wanted to go to college. There was nothing wrong with going to college, right? But one guy, one brother out of the, the group wanted to be a plumber. And we said, okay, cool. None of us saw it as anything wrong with you know him wanting to go get a trade as opposed to going to school they are forfeiting or foregoing rather uh, college to go and get trades because they don't want the student loan debt. Right. Mm -hmm. And they also want a viable income. And really studies show that many uh, degree holders are not making enough. Right. They're still living, uh, many living at the poverty line, like adjunct professors and all of these supposedly notable professions where people are still on government assistance and cannot supplement or can't pay rent or can't do things even though they have the degree. So while it used to be a joke of people having low wage jobs or being seen as less than, right, and college degrees seeing, being seen as more prestigious, we're seeing now that those even with college degrees are not making enough across the board in many different professions. And those that are actually going to school for trades are surpassing them as far as income. So I second that with you on going to get a trade. There's nothing wrong with getting a trade and a lot of times those individuals are making more and doing better financially than many people with degrees. Before you move on, I mm -hmm. want to elaborate on that just a little bit. OK. As self-titled historian. OK. <laughs> uh, we have to remember as a community that the trades, OK, was what propelled America, period. Not just mm -hmm. black people, but uh, white right. people as well. Right. Into the middle class. Right. Those same trades that black men had in the 50s, 60s and 70s is the reason why a lot of black people got to experience middle class and lower middle class. Right. Also, a lot of those brothers who had trades and I say had because we. Of course, we were told to go to college in the 80s and we left the trades. And mm -hmm. then that's why it's an empty hole in it in the black community. But those are the same brothers who purchased homes. Right. 
who bought real estate, who bought apartment buildings. Like I can name several brothers off the top of my head that's in their late 50s and beyond who the reason they own assets now to be able to pass down to their grandchildren who are our age is because they were in the trades. Now, was it maybe because those were the jobs that was afforded to them at that time? Yeah, possibly. But the money it that came from those trades that they decided to take or whether it was their only option, that put them in position to own assets. So right. as far as Generation Z goes, if they see, you know what, uh, I'm 14 years old and I see my aunt who's 36, 37, and my uncle Roy who's 36, 37 with student loan debt or having to change careers every two or three years or whatever, you know what, I'm just going to jump out here and do this. Far as I'm concerned, they're going back to whence we started. Right, right. So I'm all for that. And as far as the sisters go, I got some for y'all as well. Okay, thank you. You know, I was going to ask. <laughs> well, we can't build anything with, without both halves. There you That's go. There you go. Uh, now, for the sisters who have the degrees that maybe they didn't go as far as the degree in the field could take them. Uh, whether it be going all the way to getting your doctorate and doing some things with that, or if your field maxes out at a master's and then you add on certificates to go with that. And then, of course, with your sisters who are unemployed as well with degrees, whether it work for them or not, there are things that you can learn that are just as fast as the brothers getting trades. Well, what can you learn? Black women can run tax offices. Everybody got to do their taxes every year. Right. That's something that you can literally sit at one person's foot for one tax season, learn what's going on, put on your entrepreneur hat, marketing, pay attention to how offices ran. If you're coming from corporate America, it's literally the same thing that you was doing at someone else's job. But those same departments are now all underneath your hat. So Mm. sisters can get involved in being tax preparers. That's real good money and a skill that you can take with you to any state. Also, I would ask that sisters get back involved in teaching at a public school level. Okay, there is a need for that. Almost, I'm going to say more than half of the sisters that I know that's in the education field, Mm -hmm. even if they didn't go to school, uh, college for education, Mm -hmm. they're they're all principals Mm -hmm. or next up. Their deans next up to be a principal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another entity that black women can get involved in that is not as pressing, if you will, or the barrier entry, I should say, you'll be surprised, but it's politicians. Mm-hmm. Now, black women are currently six times over overrepresented in politics as far as our group goes. Mm-hmm. But since you're already there, you might as well set up the provisions and the uh, the policies to help the community that's back at home. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those those are three things just off the top of my head that I know that sisters can get involved in mm-hmm. immediately. Then the last one as a bonus, got a bonus here. Okay. <laughs> I personally would like to see sisters do, if you are going to wear hair pieces and uh, tresses, weave 
Lord. Please, please, please do the homework. If you're if y'all are out there traveling to Abu Dhabi and you're spending this money to go to Thailand and you're going to Italy and you're going right. to South Africa, spend that money to go to India and spend a week there and set up some co-op. Right. right. And really get paid. Right. You had me nervous when you was going with the weed, but I get you. Right. Oh, no. Make, make it make oh, no. your money for you. Exactly. If you if that's what you're going to do, then right. that's an industry that the sisters should even if even if you're not running it, there's no reason why black people shouldn't own at least minimum 30% of that industry annually. Right. Right. No, definitely I agree. That's some good advice. And it's not to say that either can't get into either side. There may also be trades or, or things that women can do and vice versa. I do appreciate that list and suggestions because again, that, that trade, for, you know, for brothers to get into, like I said, the more I research, the more I see that there's a gaping hole because of the credential creep that's going on. The more people get degrees, the more jobs can require them and still pay you at the rate of someone that doesn't even have a degree. So they don't have to up the pay, but they can up the requirements to get that job. So here you are graduating with college loan debt, student loan debt, and then you're going to get a job that traditionally didn't require that level of, of education and you're still not making that much. So trades, other skilled work is very viable for a career and should not be looked down upon. So I appreciate you sharing. Are there any other thoughts or suggestions you want to go uh, and leave us with before you go? Oh, you know that you you know that's a loaded <laughs> question. <laughs> oh Lord. Okay. Any thoughts or suggestions that maybe you have left out regarding how to help black college students and graduates alleviate, you know, their unemployment, underemployment, any advice or suggestions regarding that to help prepare them for the road ahead in their career? Yes, I would suggest reading the financial section okay. of your top newspapers, okay. whether you're progressive or conservative leaning, read mm -hmm. the financial section of uh, your national, state, and local newspapers. Okay. Uh, I would also suggest going to websites in other countries, okay, and reading their financial sections. Mm -hmm. uh, those websites that do convert the literature to English. I would do that. That's on that's on a macro level. On a on a micro level, I need for you to get around other black people who are not afraid to do things different to get a different result. Right. Get around them. If you're around someone who's saying, "Well, that's white folks stuff or we can't do that or I don't know." Um, not as I don't know for now, because no one knows everything, but I don't know permanently. And you plan on staying at I don't know. Get around those people and you all literally can take on everything that I just said and form a pack. One right. of you are great at customer service and quick witted with numbers. That's your tax preparer in the group. If right. one and has a few more dollars than the rest of the group and they're not afraid to travel and they're the only one with a passport, that's the person that can go to India and set up the co-op. Mm -hmm. You have a person who's great with their hands and they're not afraid to maybe lose a finger one day. That's 
That's the blue collar person in your group and so on and so forth. And you all put your money and your minds together and start businesses that work for the group and swap business, as they call it. And you all can literally just be silent partners of one another's group. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a lot of college educated friends who, believe it or not, don't necessarily subscribe to uh, entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. and to this day, they're still leery of it or they're just absolutely no. You can't, not saying that you can't learn anything from corporate, mm-hmm. but every single wealth wealthy person will tell you that you're not going to make it very far. Now you can, they can pay you six figures as a, uh, you know, a pharmacist or a principal or whatnot, but that's still someone else's, they can let you go. Right. But if you generate your own funds, then you're in charge. But imagine if you're the silent partner to three or four different businesses. Again, I go back to the very beginning of our discussion this morning. Mm -hmm. My father, to this day, he lends money to entrepreneurs. Okay. Okay. That's always been one of his side uh, income streams. Mm. Someone says, hey, I have a bid that I can put in for the city to win this particular job is going to pay out 200 grand, but I don't have the 50,000 sitting in reserves that they need to see to be able to give me the job. Mm-hmm. I've seen him wire that kind of money to is mm-hmm. usually people that's already one of his insurance clients and uh, he'll make some points on the money. And then I've seen him prop people up for tax offices. Mm-hmm. I've seen him put people in trucks for trucking. Mm. I've, if you've ever heard of Turo, the uh, the, uh, the the car business that's basically uh, mm-hmm. Airbnb cars, mm-hmm. my dad has been Turo since the <laughs> 90s. Okay. He, to this day, to this day, he mm-hmm. has several used cars that if somebody says, hey, I got some family coming in town and for whatever reason, my profile won't allow me to go to a traditional rent renting cars mm-hmm. you car for you know twenty dollars a day or whatever mm-hmm. it's a paid off car to him it mm-hmm. works it's not a big deal right so right. and he's doing that solely on his own now imagine if we had every single city mm-hmm. that have a concentration of blacks where there was just 100 black people who thought and moved how he moved right we could really get some stuff done with just a hundred of those people. Right. And get a lot of those cities do have those hundred people, but they need to know who each other are. Right. 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 So as uh, and I'll end with this, as you all find that circle that I just talked about, you will find out who those people are and you need to be shoulder to shoulder with them so that others can stand on your shoulder because there are a lot of business owners here in Orlando that currently have their business because he had the funds available via mm. his business to mm. lend to them to start it. And they've been in business uh, as long as they have. Wow. That's very inspirational. I'm glad you shared that about your father. And I think that is good advice, right? And more that we come together, unify. And, and like you say, even if it's just a couple people getting together as a collective can take us 
far within that circle. So I appreciate that advice. And I appreciate your time sharing with us about commercial real estate and the pros and cons of the field, the business. And hopefully this will serve as inspiration for our listeners looking to get into this direction of career. I appreciate you and thank you for your time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and your listeners. And I hope that the young folk take from the conversation and the pieces that matter to them and uh, really move forward on on some things right away. Uh, We don't have the luxury to sit and ponder on too much right now. It's it's a lot of doing that needs to be done right now. Right. As my mama will say, playtime is over. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's it. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again, Brother Roy Maynard, and we appreciate you sharing. Okay. Thank you. All right. And thank you to the listeners of the Degrees of Separation podcast. This is your host, Dr. Z, and I look forward to you joining me on the next episode. Be well.